Uh, you're saying that as a young person saying, looking at rock art and looking at the story on country, a young person saying, these are my ancestors and this is what I'm doing today. That's how you, something like you put it. What would that mean? This is what I'm doing today. What do you reckon we're doing today?
forefront in their in their in their lives, where a lot of a lot of younger people don't think along those lines. It's and now, like you say, about Jordan's learning how to do his art, which is an expression of you know his thoughts and things that happened years ago. Where now he's learning, and Harley and Harley and Tamiri and Jamie Lee, their kids are learning traditional aspects of their lives on both sides, right. both sides of the family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, for those. It's pretty pleasing for me to see that happen, you know, to, to get the younger people appreciating and understanding and want to be able to be uh, to keep the culture and, and, and the aspects of the game. Right, Thank you, Dave. Thanks. So that was my dad, David Harding, and I, I uh, did want to mention before that uh, the audio is a little tricky in, a, in an echoey space and uh, please stay with us and if there's anything that um, doesn't quite meet meet you sing out afterwards and we can we can try to try to revisit that if, if you're interested um, and one of the the, the the things that are very pressing for us as a community the reason we continue to hold constant conversation and, and maintain and work on our responsibilities and our and our contributions is the threats the multiple threats that face uh, cultural sites uh, across the continent. We'd probably be able to look on a much broader way, but certainly as a community we're facing um, the through mining, through ag agriculture, through environmental change, uh, and particularly uh, in, the, in late November and early December, fires that came through the state of Queensland um, were quite devastating and uh, our responsibility is to, to understand and to know and to, to look at how these these uh, events are impacting ourselves as cultural people and particularly the landscape. So it's a, it's an ongoing and, and permanent conversation that we're involved in. So this is how Dad and I continue to be talking through our contributions. Um, and so one of the, the things that's really apparent to me, but maybe it's not always obvious, is that our community is very broad and a really broad range of people contribute to us as a, as a, as a big united family, really, as our cultural community. Uh, genetic inheritance and cultural inheritance certainly um, grounds and, and connects us all. Loin connection, as our family described, but also there's a, there's a much greater uh, network of our family and contrib contributors. And so one of those key lovely ones is, is a fellow named Patrick McHugh. Uh, Patty and I have had a, a relationship with another a uh, group of people uh, spending time out on country, and if I'd like to introduce Patrick McHugh as a, as a good friend and ally to us as a community. There we go. Wonderful. Thank you, Dale. Um, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that we're on. I thank them, and um, it's an absolute pleasure to be in this country. Um, and Dale, just talking about uh, some of the threats to, to culture, I just wanted to very publicly acknowledge some of the challenges that you have faced and your family and the wider community. And I wanted to make it clear that I share in your grief and I share in your loss and um, I want you to feel supported in that too. Um, so I know probably a lot of you are wondering who the hell I am. <laughs> 
why I'm here. So my name is Paddy McHugh, um, and Dale said it was going to be very informal, but um, I have some things that I really wanted to articulate, so I'm going to refer to my notes a little bit as well, because I want to get it right. Um, so my name is Paddy McHugh. I, I'm Australian-born of Celtic and Anglo descent, and I was raised on Gamilaroi country in the town of Tamworth, New South Wales, which is why I'm wearing double denim. Um, so I live in Brisbane, and um, I have many hats that I wear. I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a musician, um, I'm a storyteller, I'm an agitator, and I'm a teacher. And it is in my teaching role at the Murray School at Acacia Ridge that I was first became acquainted with uh, Dale, his family, and um, the wider community that I'm sure is represented here tonight. And Jordan, who painted the walls here. Um, for those of you who do not know, um, the Murray School is a very unique school. It's Queensland's only fully Indigenous uh, governed community school. And I'm going to read uh, straight from the website um, the, the point of the school and what we're trying to achieve, because I think it's been written very well. I said, the aim of the school is to promote the development of Indigenous students as independent and skilled people who are culturally, morally and socially responsible employable, capable of self-fulfillment and of contributing to society. And um, for the last six years, I've been a member of a team of teachers, support workers, uh, all sorts of people who have been working very hard to achieve that end. Um, and one key aspect of fulfilling the, the goals of um, the Murray School has been uh, the development and delivery of a cultural camps program which, to put it quite simply, is taking urban Indigenous kids out onto country uh, and connecting them authentically with traditional owners to, um, to experience country and to learn and to, um, and to share. And um, Dale has been an integral part of, of one of these trips that we do, which is out to Carnarvon Gorge. And um, Dale's been coming along every year and um, it's been fantastic. So. Uh, the Carnarvon Gorge trip that I mentioned has the added advantage of providing students with the opportunity to interact with multiple uh, complex and varied art sites where students can connect with the stories and teachings of Indigenous men, women and children across countless generations. And these interactions are definitely fortified by having the presence of uh, Dale, Uncle Dale and Jordan, Dale's cousin who is responsible for the art on the walls here. Um, and having you and Dale along um, adds an incredible layer of, of story and meaning to the artwork out there and, and having, having you there to guide us through that and to um, help us understand and to feel and to, to know is absolutely crucial. So I wanted to, to talk at these, um, about these art sites and, and what, they have, what they have done for the kids at the Murray School. I'll refer them as our kids. I feel like some of them are. I'm taking a lot of their problems. I like to say they're my kids. But these art sites and the conversations that they, they inspire and the emotional responses that they elicit are absolutely central to the success of these cultural camps that we run, which have a proven track record of improving student self-esteem, uh, improving self-awareness, self-reflection, a sense of community and building cultural capital among, among our students. Um, 
I've seen students, as a, as a result of engagement with these sites up in the gorge, um, work to build new relationships, to repair broken ones, to find a way to appreciate and love themselves, um, to mature, to work harder at school, and to generally make positive, profound change in their lives. Um, I've also seen how these sites and the country on which uh, they exist have inspired creativity as well. And I'm going to share a, a brief story with you about one of those things that has come from these camps. Um, and this is where I'll go off the notes here. So a, a few years ago, uh, after spending many days at the gorge and we'd been visiting sites and we'd had many conversations and, and chats around the fire and um, getting to know each other and, and what we were doing out there, uh, Uncle Milton, uh, who's your uncle and who contributes a lot to these camps, um, some of the kids from the school felt that they needed to thank Uncle Milton and give something back to him. And a lot of our kids can dance and shake a leg, so a few of them decided to get up and, and dance for Uncle Milton as a way of saying thank you. And in return, Uncle Milton uh, decided to share a song that he was, I suppose, a keeper of, that he learnt from Uncle Steve Kemp, I think, was it? Yeah. And Grandad Tim. Yeah, okay. And... Um, and he lamented when he sung this song that the dance that would have originally once would have been with this song had been lost to his knowledge at least. And, um, and that seed was planted, that, that trip, and over almost two years that seed took hold and grew. And it was led primarily by the enthusiasm of the kids at the school. And it was decided that, hey, we've got some dancers over here, we've got this song over here, um, why don't we see if we can make something? And um, it took a lot of work, um, a lot of cooperation, but eventually, sort of 18 months later, we managed to fill up four busloads of people from the community and uh, head up on country, create a new site, an important site, a dance circle, and uh, to dance a corroboree that hadn't been danced in who knows how long. 50 years, yeah. And I think um, it just goes to show the... I think that the success of that and the, the origin of that is absolutely embedded in the engagement with country and, and the artwork up there and all those things that stem from engaging with that, like the conversations and the, the feelings and the, the reflections. Um, one other thing that I wanted to stress that's come, that I'm really, really excited about as a non-Indigenous person, and I'll finish it on this, that I've seen has developed from engagement with your art practice and uh, with the artwork up at the Gorge is the incredible cooperation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples and particularly the landowners uh, up around those sites. And for, for many, many years been, there has been a divide between the Indigenous people who were chased off by the by the, the landowners, and I see that bridge being gap, uh, that gap being bridged, and I see land opening up, and I honestly think it's it's an absolutely amazing process to watch unfold. And um, Dale, you know, you are central to this, and your art practice is central to this. So I'm I, I'm here tonight, and I'd like to say on behalf of of the Murray School, in particular the students who I spent today with, and spoke to them about you and about tonight, and that I was coming to speak, and we want to share our thanks and um, also stress that we look forward to an incredible, bright future working collaboratively and creating. Thanks, buddy.
Thanks, buddy. And particularly that, the bright future in collaborating and working in, in dialogue and in discussion. And, and uh, Patrick might share some perspectives from around the classroom a little later, a little, a little later on, yeah? Um, this, I mean, it's, it's a, we, could, we could spend days in conversation around, around these topics and many things in that we could pull out and, and, and build upon and ask questions around as well. But um, I'd now like to introduce another friend and collaborator and, and a colleague um, via audio this time. And, and this is Professor Paul Tayson, uh, who's been um, uh, a really good friend and contributor to our discussions up at home. Yeah. I'm Professor Paul Tayson. I'm an archeologist and an anthropologist, and I have an Australian Research Council Laureate Fellowship to study rock art around Australia. I've been researching rock art for almost 40 years. And with this current project, we're really interested in why rock art is important for Indigenous Australians today uh, and how it's a part of their living culture. We're working closely with about 20 communities in various parts of Australia, as well as some uh, overseas. Uh, and I'm also working closely with Dale Harding, uh, partly because of the amazing rock art within his traditional lands, but also because of the way he brings rock art alive into his contemporary art practice. And I'm also part of an international rock art network with colleagues from around the world, and we are dedicated to better preserving and, and protecting rock art for future generations. So recently we produced a statement about why rock art is powerful and relevant today, and I'd like to share that with you. Rock art, ancient paintings and engravings on rock surfaces, is a visual record of global human history. It is a shared heritage that links us to powerful ancestral worlds and magnificent landscapes of the past. It tells the story of the birthplaces of art, the dawn of artistic endeavors. It creates connections to significant places and depicts encounters with the surrounding living world. Through its existence, nature and culture are connected in the landscape. It resonates with our individual and collective identity while stimulating a vital sense of belonging to a greater past. Rock art illustrates the passage of time over tens of thousands of years of environmental and cultural change. It incarnates the essence of human ingenuity and facilitates context today between cultures and aspects of spirituality. Rock art is artistically compelling and full of meaning. This fragile and irreplaceable visual heritage has worldwide significance, contemporary relevance, and for many indigenous peoples is still part of their living culture. If we neglect, destroy, or disrespect rock art, we devalue our future. And so I can leave uh, Paul to, and his body of work uh, as a researcher to, to speak for himself online and in, in the multiple texts that Paul's published uh, in terms of books and, and academic papers. And 
uh, I'd like to just acknowledge the fact that so far we've heard from my cousin Melissa Lawton-Mills uh, and as the only female contributor, and we're always very conscious of this. It always feeds into our discussions around the work and who we are as a community. And uh, when Dad and I were asking the questions of each other on the phone the other day, uh, it, was, it became very obvious again that I was asking in, intrusive questions of, of my family, of my father. And so me posing the questions to Dad were not easy and it was not easy to ask the questions of Dad and you can hear in his answers there that they were slow and considered in response. And so this is something I'm learning rapidly and, and uh, demonstrating, uh, hopefully demonstrating a, an engagement with it through the work in the Gallery One there around safe spaces and safe interactions. But it, uh, discussing this process with Mum for tonight, um, I'd like now to contribute some, some words that Mum gave uh, around her responsibilities and her cultural inheritance to our next friend, Marisa Giorgi. Uh, Marise is a, a, a rock art researcher and an archaeologist and many other hats that you wear. And Marisa contributed uh, some research based around one of the sites in Carnarvon Gorge. And these are some of Mum's uh, words on her behalf tonight. It was, it's, a, it's a better option to, to offer these on Mum's, Mum's behalf tonight than to ask her the questions of her. So Marisa asked in her initial uh, primary research, do you think there are any positive changes that could be made to improve your connection or that of future generations within your community to Carnarvon Gorge or specific sites? And my mum, Kate Harding, responded with, for our family to have continued access and contact to Carnarvon. Second point, for future generations, get the young people more involved, get them out there to teach them and improve their relationship between the traditional people and the visitors that come there. Teach them, the visitors, to show more respect to the sites and to Carnarvon in general. Uh, and yeah, that, I mean, some of what mum has contributed there in, in a couple of years ago, when was this, Marisa, 2015, 16? 16. 16. The ongoing, ongoing relevant points that we have to keep tabling, we have to keep, keep putting forward. So I'd like to now introduce my friend Marisa Giorgi. Thanks, Dale, I appreciate it. Um, to have the uh, female voice uh, within the, the stories of Carnarvon Gorge is very important, and especially Dale's mum, who's a very strong and active uh, uh, holder of Indigenous knowledge for Carnarvon Gorge. But to give you a bit of background, yes, I, I work in, in um, rock art research, but also at the Queensland Museum, and I've also recorded women's stories in um, the Solomon Islands and Malaita. But I think uh, rock art is very relevant in today's society, not just for the communities closely associated to the rock art, but also the, the general um, society. Uh, from a Westerner's point of view, rock art is a very tangible, visual uh, connection that people can make to culture, and it helps people on that path towards respect um, and understanding and also appreciation of rock art. Um, unfortunately, it's a bit harder for the general, the average person to understand the deep connections to land and even um, uh, landscape features, um, which are just as relevant as the rock art. Um, I'm particularly interested in the women's stories um, within, embedded in rock art. And um, Dale, through his work, um, really helps to bring that to the fore. Uh, an example would be his piece at the Queensland Art Gallery, 
um, uh, wall composition in Ricketts Blue, which has uh, three uh, silhouettes of uh, Dale's matrilineal lineage, um, which is very important to Dale, and which I think is very driven by his uh, mother as well, that embedded knowledge, and she's assisted in him in some work as well in the past, um, which, is, which is very important and, and lovely to see that, that continua continuation of knowledge. Um, in Dale's work, you can also see in his uh, body of objects uh, the representations of objects, uh, the ways they're represented that are contested within museums. So historically, museum curators drove a lot of collections and they were also white um, conservative males who collected a lot of spears and shields, collected, sometimes stolen. <laughs> and um, so there is a, an imbalance in representation, which is being addressed these days. There's a lot more um, nice woven items and grinding stones and that that are being embedded in, in displays. Um, but Dale is very effective in uh, making those representations within his art, and I think it's very important, because I feel that it's often taken a backseat, women's representations from rock art interpretation and in museums has taken a backseat, and uh, a lot of the male cultural items have been at the forefront of displays in the past. Um, within Dale's art, I think there's also an element of education that's, uh, that comes out, so it's, an, it's a tool for educating the public, um, not just in the final product, but uh, also in its production, the materials used, the processes, the methodology, and also the, the, the community that he involves in its creation. Um, so they all form part of the work, so it's, in a sense, it's not just uh, Dale's work, but it's... Uh, it's a body of knowledge that, that comes through within his artwork. And, um, yeah, it's, well, I think it's particularly important for the community and often has really positive messages as well that um, can be absorbed by community uh, viewing the art. Um, Pardon. Yeah. Sorry, I just yeah. wanted to touch there around um, safety, around communicating, uh, yeah, particularly so muse museological practice and the way we interact. Mm. So I think more and more there's uh, management aspects being put into museums uh, that help uh, for displays to be uh, safely um, interpreted. But um, also within research, like to, for me to go and research in Carnarvon Gorge, Gorge for the rock art aspect, I had to uh, follow protocols from national parks, from uh, the ethics board at the Griffith University. But more importantly to me uh, was the protocols and the um, permissions that I got from community. So um, they were much more important to me than, than the permissions from <laughs> the institutional bodies. And um, I followed them to a T. So there were <clears throat> opportunities for me to visit some other sites, but I refused because I hadn't already had permission from community to, to go to them. Um, also, I have to be quite careful um, in how I interpret sites um, because I, and how I speak on behalf of Indigenous people because it's not my role. Um, so I have to confer a lot to um, community to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. And maybe I might jump there, is that um, there, there are... 
this is a goodie, this is a goodie. I don't even know how to frame it, but you, you spoke about speaking on behalf mm. and it's becoming a regular thing in my lifetime. My grandparents had it as their experience that they had very good friends, good dear collaborators and friends who it, sometimes it was really appropriate for a non-community member, non-family member, non-Aboriginal person to speak at that time. Uh, it's now becoming a reality that uh, we're developing relationships around when is and when, when mm. is the right time. And sometimes actually it is really important um, for um, the respect to the, our protocols that, that someone else might contribute on our behalf, in collaboration yeah. with us, but present the information, right? So um, one of the things that are of, are of interest to me is that there's no specific format and it's always a negotiation and hopefully we can uh, give an insight into the fact that we're always negotiating these processes. Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, having seen um, um, interpretation officers at Carnarvon Gorge <clears throat> um, interpreting sites, just felt, it just didn't feel right. <laughs> so it'd be lovely to see Indigenous community um, playing those roles uh, more and more. And I think it's essentially for, essential for the safekeeping of Carnarvon Gorge and its sites for community to be involved, not only in the decision-making process, but also in the delivery, interpretation, and having a presence there. Beauty. Thanks, Marisa. It's good to have you here. Um, and it's a pretty short and sweet process this evening. And, and um, right now, I'd like to swing back to Patrick and see to ask how the, the classroom discussions went. Um, this, the, the school community, and particularly the student body, some of the, the, the group have visited multiple times, and we've shared and built upon the knowledge that we've shared. Uh, and you all have had some discussions, particularly around the challenges that we face around the threats and the vulnerability of cultural sites in recent times. Yeah, um, I, I think Marissa hit the nail on the head. I think the beauty of the, the sites up there is it provides a really great way for anybody, really, to access uh, knowledge about the past, about culture, and particularly in the context of the Murray School, we have a lot, of, uh, a lot of children who are often, through no fault of their own, can be disconnected from their culture. Um, and for many, it's a very significant and meaningful and genuine way for them to find a segue back into reconnecting with themselves and with the wider community. And um, yeah, look, we, we talked earlier you know, a little bit about loss and threats and things that uh, you know, threaten these sites, and they're very real. Um, but, you know, I've discussed this with, with my students, particularly the ones that have been going up to the site, and I don't know, I, when, I, when I think about these things, I can't help but feel a sort of, you know, an overwhelming sense of dread. Maybe I'm a pessimist, I don't know. But the, the kids that have been there, their reaction to, you know, these threats is overwhelmingly positive. They're looking at, well, what can we do? What's the next step? What do we do moving forward? And I think that... that echoes the sentiment that these places and these sites and this practice isn't, isn't locked in the past. It has an incredible heritage, um, but it's also about the vibrancy of the present and um, particularly for the young people who are coming into it, it's really about the endless possibilities for the future and um, encompassing all types of people from all over the world. And um, their excitement, I'm trying to um, make sure I catch a bit of it and um, carry it with me because it's a really great way to look at the world and, and to look at these threats and these problems and to look at them optimistically and 
forward thinking. Petey. Thanks, Petey. And uh, really, that's, that's it from, from us this evening. Short and sweet as another way to interact with some of the reasons why the works exist and, uh, uh, yeah, an introduction to some of our community that we, we, we share a big, big connection to. So thanks for coming. <laughs>